I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, it's a huge day today, JT, and I've already covered all the changes that have been announced, um, but it's turning our attention right now to the Warriors. And uh, JT, how are you? I feel very, very privileged to um, to speak to you twice in one day, uh, working in isolation. You and I haven't really caught up with each other too much over the past couple of months, and this is a privilege, my friend, and I get to see your hairy chest once again. <laughs> I mean, I could literally just stare at that all day. Mate, it's the uh, I can't grow the ISO beard, so I can grow the ISO chest hair. Uh, it's about as good as I can get. But yeah, nice to see you for the second time again, mate. Uh, the good old Warriors, hey, I've been looking forward to this one. Everyone's second favorite team, so let's get into it. Let's go on, Warriors. And to help us get through that preview, we've got a very special guest on tonight. Uh, you may know him from Twitter, and I think if we put a question to him, what would you prefer more out of a Twitter blue tick or Warriors premiership? I think he might be hard-pressed to uh, to select that one. Anton, how are you going, my friend? I'm very well, mate. Lovely to be on the pod for the first time. Oh, just that Kiwi accent, it really just brings a tear to your eye. Yeah, yeah. This is 13 years in Australia, too, he mentioned off air. I figured surely by now you'd be giving us a mate and a hey, yarn. But, uh, oh, no, no, choice, hey, bro. Choice, mate. choice, bro. Hey, bro. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. We'll walk with that. <laughs> Fish and chips, hey, bro. No, that's all right. We've got plenty of stuff coming up. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Anton, get, your, get your brother out of the room. We've got to control already. What's going on? <laughs> uh, we haven't even started, mate. So, Anton, maybe. Um, do you want to maybe just intro, intro yourself a little bit and, you know, shout out of your Twitter handle and kind of how you got into Supercoach and just all that good stuff? Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, I've been playing Supercoach for, it's over a decade now. Um, been in uh, Sydney for about 13 years coming from NZ um, and kind of fell really hard into the rugby league world and Supercoach world just being with so many so many football teams in, in Sydney and so many games to go to and so many uh, football stadiums that I'd been on the telly back home and never had a chance to go and visit. Um, so from there, it was, you know, kind of uh, found found the site as well. Um, on the site, you might have seen my name, Hydro Kuseni, um floating around. So um, that was that's the handle I've been using there. He's, he's kind of like my spirit warrior from the 1995 team, kind of all knees and elbows and mullet. Um, you know, strong leg drive and, and just all, you know, kind of no nonsense. Um, I might just get you um sorry, I might just get you to repeat that name mm. for me as well because because that was that was beautiful. Hytro Okasene. Yeah. Uh, if you were to say uh, that in Australian for us uh to understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, we've got raps of the podcast here. Yeah. Oh Okasini's <laughs> through. Yeah, that's, that's the same. It hasn't been for us and you gotta say, but it's wrong. 
<laughs> oh, fantastic. No, sorry, I cut you off there. Keep going. Yeah, no, no, no. So um, without, you know, kind of laboring the whole point too much, just, um, you know, I've always I've always kind of really enjoyed the site. And then um, I got onto Twitter and completely um, lost all control of um, sort of keeping opinions to myself. And um, if you if you spot me on there, I'm generally talking about either Supercoach or the Warriors um, and, you know, there are many ups and downs and uh, my mood swings generally reflect that sentiment um, on, on any given day. But um but yeah, it's good times, and it's it's nice to team up with people that um, like to talk about the game and like to discuss Supercoach and um, like sort of commiserate together over our um, many mistakes that we'll inevitably make. Well, just talk to JT about mistakes. He's made quite a few. It's a new season, mate. Michael Morgan's uh, fresh off shoulder surgery. <laughs> He's going to be fired up, ready to go. I stand by that. Well, um, something we have just started is a new segment on the podcast, Anton. I'm not sure if you heard the uh, the Parramatta Eels one that we did on the weekend with uh, Supercoach regular uh, or re- Supercoach Talk regular um, Andrew or Carlos, and that kind of went over quite well. Um, he actually took it like a champion as well, so I hope you do now as well. It's called the Hospital Pass, where uh, we ask you five questions to get to know you a little bit better. Um, and just saw the Brazilian in the background as well, JT. Just uh, just walking around, floating around as well. Just tell us she was on the podcast. It's all big cam right now. It's going to be on YouTube tonight. Um, but yeah, let's get into the the hospital pass. So JT and I are going to ask you five questions, basically to get you uh, get to know you a little bit better, and just uh, yes or no answer, or uh, answer the name. No flirting around. Not trying to come back at the host or any of that kind of funny business. Just just answer the question. You ready? Hit me, bro. Okay, so one night in a hotel suite, Jacinda Ardern or Richie McCaw? Richie. Thought so. Thought so. Thought. Which, I don't know. Well, JT, you got a bit of a, a look on you. You're a little bit, uh, it took you by a bit of a surprise? No, not really. I mean, I could understand kind of Dan Carter. Not that I know much about rugby union, but I thought he was the pin-up boy. Uh, might be a bit too... Yeah, it's probably just doesn't play by the rules, you know. So, um, so safe <laughs> words might be out, you know. So, <laughs> well, mate, that's it's a safe. That's a your. This is a purely dominatrix submissive, submissive um, honeymoon suite as well, right? So, um, uh, yeah. Well, maybe so. Richie McCaw or uh, Dan Carter? No, nah, still Richie. I reckon he's he's got he's he's got the stamina to go all the way. So. <laughs> Um, I'm, you know, I'm, I might only be in this sweet one. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna raise the mini bar, and I'm gonna make him work for every minute he's in there. It's a long honeymoon. Eh? He's, he's, long a, he's, very, he's very good at the breakdown, mate, and getting his uh, his head in there as well. It's all he's pretty good at it. Um, so, question number two: uh, You have to watch one game, um, or you die. You have a choice out of the Warriors versus Manly in the 2011 Grand Final. Or the All Blacks versus France in the 1999 Rugby World Cup semi final? Oh. And um, you can't pause, you have to watch the whole thing. Oh, um, I'm going to watch the, the Warriors Manly game, but only because I was at that game and I was on the sideline where um, uh, the Wolf Man was basically just running down the whole time. And I was just thinking, like, I can't believe I'm sitting here watching this. We're finally here. I'm finally here, and I'm, I'm, I'm seeing it happen in front of me like this. I couldn't believe it. Um, I probably watched that one, you know, just because um, it's nice to be reminded of the pain, you know, because um, it, it makes the victory taste fresher when it when it finally comes. You know, I might you know not be able to see by that stage, but uh, 
we live in hope. I thought that was a really easy question, Wenham, because it's a union versus a league game. Surely you choose the league game. Yeah, but you've got to remember that that's, um, that 99 World Cup loss for the All Blacks. That was the year they, were, they hadn't won a, a World Cup previous to that, and they were built up. That was going to be the year coming against a, uh, a very um, unpredictable French side, but they never really achieved anything either, and that was meant to be just a walkover. Um, but alas, the Kiwis got rolled. So um, I do enjoy watching that game, actually. It's one of the top sporting moments, I think, of my life. Um, I just remember coming, say, up and watching that game or early in the morning. I remember seeing that and just going, this is hilarious. Yeah, this is awesome. Schadenfreude going on there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, question question number three, JT, and I'll let you take this one. <laughs> Yet again, not prepared. <laughs> I mean, I had one. So... You have to greet everyone you meet for the very first time with either a five-second haka or by going, That's wild. I'm going to go go with the sheep noises because I've got an eight-month-old baby and I'm doing them anyway every day. So (laughs) um, this is just a continuation of my ongoing narrative of, um, you know, welcome to the farmyard. farmyard. So I'm going to go that way. It's probably a good segue into the story you told us off air just before about who you are or what you're now known by and amongst the CEO community that you deal with and all of that courtesy of your Zoom call name. Do you want to share that one? Uh, yeah, Mr. Poobum. Yeah, I forgot to change my setting. <laughs> I was looking around with some, with some mates with some new software and then went into a big uh, meeting and um, was announced as Mr. Poobum to 32 people. So, um, you know, I would have gone with Hydrocacene if I had my time again, but... Um, Mr. Pooh Bum it is, and, and that will stick as well. All right, question number four and another perfect segue here. Um, give us a haka. Absolutely not. Cannot do <laughs> you, have, you have a choice. You've oh, got to no, do it. I cannot do that. I'll be like yeah, the right. Prime Minister who like, took his shirt off when, when we won the America's Cup and never lived it down. Like he's, uh, I just can't do it, I'm afraid. And, uh, you know, I'm Speaking afraid I'm, I'm going to have to leave the listeners hanging. If you ever Google very first ever union haka or something like that, it's about the 1960s or 70s and it's the... That's hilarious. And it's it's one of the worst things you've ever seen in your life. It's a bunch of like white men standing around dancing. <laughs> it's basically if I tried to do a haka, this is what it would be. So, uh, yeah. strong it's recommendation to Google that. It's, yeah, it's like real life Pinocchio when you see it, like little wooden men. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hilarious. I think that's what, the same as the Australians. Um, it would have been the 70s or the 80s. They decided they were going to cut, they'd put together their own retaliation dance. I don't know if you've seen that as well. It is hilarious. Just YouTube that. That is fantastic. Awesome. They did it once, never again. Um, final question. What is the real NZ anthem? God Save the God Save NZ or A Slice of Heaven by Dave Dobbins? I think everyone knows the words A Slice of Heaven. I think, you know, I mean... Everyone's pretty good with the national anthem these days, but I, I, I think if you if you go into a into a pub in London, I mean not now there's no one in it, but if you went to a pub in London <laughs> and you played that song, you probably have more people just impromptu singing that one. <laughs> I'm going to go Dave Dobbin. Okay, yeah, well, that's what we thought as well. Um, all right, so let's move on to the next segment here, which is all about you taking the piss out of us a little bit. We've just had a bit of a, a bit of fun with you. It's called "You Say Tomatoes, I Say Tomatoes." Everyone knows that JT and I struggle at the very best of times announcing the uh, uh, Polynesian uh, names or some of the, the more Maori-style uh, names. We're not very good at it. And we do have an expert on the podcast uh, tonight who has uh, very kindly selected five names of players, current, past, whatever, um, 
And what he's going to basically do is throw it to JT and I to try and give it a good crack. And then he's going to uh, pronounce it how it should be said. Um, and uh, I'm really looking forward to that. You're going to keep score. Let's get to see who's the best at the end of it between JT and I. I'm putting a stake down, JT, that I'm going to beat you here. Oh, that's a bit controversial. Is this judge really impartial? You were off air for a little while before I joined. Oh, I don't think I've got a chance, mate. So, And also, there's no restaurants open at the moment as well. So, They're cool. Yep. All right, Anton, hand over to you, mate. Who, what's the first name here? Okay, well, I can't say his name because that'll give it away, but I can tell you mm. he is a centre that has played for New Zealand and he plays he plays for the Panthers. Um, uh, you guys have got the name right in front of you, so why don't we you, do. you guys just give it a crack one by one and uh, we'll see we'll see who does the best. Over to you, JT. <coughs> Dean Vare. Are you French or something? It's a WH, <laughs> right? Gotta say V. Okay, well, I think it's uh, Dean Fare. I've got to give it to Josh. Fucking yeah! Right, uh, One nil, champ. All right. So Fare. it is as simple as Fare. So Fare. losers, Fare. losers Fare. kick. So it's so, a, say it again. It's at the beginning, so like a WH is a F sound in Maori. So. And re, it's re. Yeah, so the R is like a re. So, funny. It means, it means house in Maori. Yeah. I'm sure that's exactly that's why he got his nickname house, because that's what his name is. I'm, I'm hearing the way that I said it exactly repeated into my ear. So, anyway, take you one nil. Cheat win. Uh, whatever. Oh, you can do the next one, maybe, because you lost. So, you can try and, uh, try and get this next one right. Number two. <clears throat> Brad Takaharangi. No, sorry. Can I do that again? I didn't mean to add a bit of phlegm caught in there. Takarangi. Not bad. Not bad. Uh, Brad Takarangi. i got to give that to JT. Thank you. Takarangi. If you were to grade us on that, though, where are we? One to ten. That's pretty good, man. That's, that, was, that was pretty good. Like, the main thing with, like, um, Maldi names, and those two are both Maldi names, is... The, the vowel sounds, A, E, I, O, and U, are pronounced A, E, E, or U. Everything else is phonetic. All the other letters are exactly the same as English. That's all you need to know. Did I nail the Brad part of that name? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Brad, part, the Brad part was pretty good as well. Okay. You don't right. get bonus so, points for Brad, though, I'm afraid. Let, let's move on to number three, and I'll go first because I got that one wrong. Now, a question before we do... Um, do try and pronounce this one. It's a very European starting first name. Is that common or is this just uh, something that you wouldn't normally see? Well, there's a lot of Christian names in the islands. They're very, like, um, you know, um, highly Christian in those places. So a lot of the names have been adapted to sort of like a, like a Polynesian pronunciation. So um, you'll often see names like that, you know, popping up. All right, here we go. Uh, Stefano Yutoi Kamu, Kamunu. <laughs> Oh, mate, even I know that's bad. <laughs> Stefano Utoikomanu. Shit, that's pretty good, JT. I've got to give you that one, bro. <laughs> that's because I heard Millgate on the last pod nail that. I don't know if he did yeah. nail it. It just sounded really good, though. It if you say it quickly. Good. It was, right, and I was going to give him a shout-out today over Twitter and go, oh, you nailed it, bro. And then I was like, oh, no, no it's going to tip them off. <laughs> All right. How does, it, how does it go? That's the one. Utoikomanu. Toikamana. And what about Stefano? Yes, it's Stefano. 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 R-E-E-O-U. So the O Stefano. 
Yep, Stefano. Okay, uh, Toika Manu. Toika Manu. Oh, now the, the next the next one's going to be a, uh, a fun one. Oh, well, I'm going to get because I lost it. So JG's up 2-1. Uh, oh, fuck. Um, uh, Celestino. Uh, Ravu Tau Madara. <laughs> uh, you didn't need to add the extra DA there, mate. It's uh, Celestino Ravu Tau Madara. Mate, that's pretty good, JT. That's pretty good, man. Celestino Ravu Tau Madara. So I'm not, uh, you know, disgracing a, a culture here. I'm, I'm waving. I'm, I'm waving the white flag. It's out. It's out. It's Maybe out. we go all or nothing. Oh, we haven't even got to the big one. Yep, this is all or nothing, win, and this is uh, take it. Winner takes all. So, well, Anton, how, how do you pronounce number four? Um, hang on, where are we? Solicitino Ravutomada. Just sounds so good. Like people say, like if you like French or you know anything like that, it just sounds sexy. But I don't know these Polynesian names when they come off the tongue correctly. I don't know. It just, it just makes you feel good. But I tell you, you who, who's sexy? Who, who, sexiest, who's actually sexy. pretty good is um is Vossi. He makes a bit of a. Of he a, is good. He actually yep. makes a real. Um, he doesn't. He doesn't always mail it, mail it, but he makes a real effort to just try and get as many right as he can. The funniest thing is New Zealand's got Halligan. So all the Sky Sports games, Halligan just doesn't even try. He just calls RTS like, here comes Sheck. He'll, he'll lose out <laughs> just like half of his name just because he just can't be bothered. It's just too hard. Well, when uh, when Foss got um, exiled from Channel 9 after getting into a biff, I think, with Hadley and got sent to the uh, the state competition, that's probably where he spent a lot of his time uh, practising those names. Or maybe it was uh, as a main commentator on Rugby League Live. Mm. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know, but he's certainly very good at it. He's, he's a very talented guy. All right, number five, JT, you're going first here. Um, cool. Have a okay. crack. Uh, so Tino F, I believe, is he's now known in amongst Supercoach and NRL circles. Is uh, that your answer? No. T- uh, winner takes all. Tino Fasumalawi. Yep. <laughs> no clue. Anton's laughing face. I'm not giving anything uh, away. Right? Like, the, whole, the whole idea of like, this video it's a, it's a bit of a, thing is just like, you know, it's, it's, a, uh, it's, it's really showing my cards. It's a constant shake in there. That was good. Um, all right. A bit of order. Yeah. He's left the door open. Right? All right. Ready to go? Tino Fa'asumalili. Shit. Um... <laughs> You know, I'm going to give that one to Josh just because of the apostrophe. Just because of the apostrophe there. What does that mean? Is that like a uh uh-uh? uh? It's just a break. It's a break. So, fa'asua maliawi. It sounds so good. I don't think we're ever so going to be able to learn. It sounds better if you sign for the freaking Warriors instead of doing a backflip and going to the Gold Coast. Before we move off of pronunciations, who's the num- what's your number one gripe when you hear comment like Anglo Australian commentators say a name and just butcher it constantly? Who's who's the number one if you could get them to say it right? Oh, I I, I reckon I reckon the games that are the hardest list, and I, I don't get I don't get angry about it and get like throwing the remote control because I actually live in a, in Australia where you hear people mispronouncing things all the time, so it's kind of like when it's really bad, it's almost funny. It's almost like wow, you know, like um. The worst ones, I think, are Braith and Asta and Roach when they're together. They are just like, it's almost like an 80s wrestling tag team where they'll just like helicopter the name 
and throw it out of the ring and like they'll ring the bell and call the fight off because it's just like not fair what they're doing to it. They're messing it right up. Oh, helicopter the name out of the ring. That's brilliant. <laughs> but I'm the that biggest... I was going to say, yeah, Jordan, Jordan Rapana. So everyone came out, it, it was Rapana for years and years, and then uh, I think his mum or something told one of the commentators, no, it's Rapana. Rapana. I don't know. Rapana. Something different. So there's a, so there's a, little, a little macron over the A that's supposed to be there, which means the, mm. the sound trap. Well, anyway, whatever. This isn't a linguistic lesson. We're talking super coaching. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, well, I think, um, JT, you and I have a lot of work to do. Yeah, I don't think we're ever going to get Tino F right. So I reckon we just uh, cut our losses there. No, Brad Brad T, Dean W, Stefano U. I'm okay with that. Yep. There's no other Stefanos, really. Hmm. So you can just call him Stefano. He can be like Ronaldo, you know. Don't need to man. Madonna. (laughs) Tino. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It is time for the good, the bad, and the ugly of the Warriors. And probably no better place to start than in the front row or in the cheeky, cheapy division for the Warriors. And, and Anton, I might hand over to you. You and I were talking a little bit earlier uh, today about who the good were, and, and we're both pretty much in agreement on these two guys. Um, who do you prefer out of them? And I'll just get you to talk through both of them, if that's all right. Yeah, so Elias Akatoa is he's obviously a bottom dollar cheapie, available only in the second row. Um, he kind of came out of out of nowhere in the trials um, and really stood up. He's he's only he's only a young player, but um, what I noticed in the first two games was that um, you know he looked like one of the only guys who was going to bust a tackle and and really. Um, Make an indent in that in that line. Um, easily our best forward, and that's that's saying something. There's a bit of experience in that pack, but um, you know, with the injuries, the Bunty are for a boy, um, uh, Fry, um, Ignatius Parsi. There was, you know, there's there were they were looking for someone to give them that kind of little bit of an edge, and um, a couple of guys got their sort of got their start. The other guy is uh, young young Maney or Tonel Brown. Um, so he's, he kind of, he came across from Melbourne and was part of the development squad, I believe, or, or, or the broader squad. Uh, they upgraded his contract after all of the injuries. And so in the preseason, we had, we had these, these two names that a lot of people weren't familiar with. Even Warriors fans didn't really, um, 
weren't really that familiar. So it was, I suppose, I suppose the main question for everyone was what's the job security like? What happens when all these guys come back? Um, how do they move the chairs around? What's happening with Adam Blair? He was on the edge last year, but we know he can play prop. Um, no one really likes him, but you got to put him somewhere. Um, uh, what's happening, what's happening for Jazz Hands when he comes back? Is he going to go straight back into lock? Is he going to play utility? So there are heaps of questions. Um, you know, but I kind of went on the old eye test. Um, with Supercoach, I'm more of like a gut feel eye test sort of guy if I'm not sure. Um, so I, I actually went for both of them because I thought, uh, I didn't see a pandemic coming for, for starters. Um, and I thought that if we got six weeks, six weeks, you know, out of JTB, then that'd be plenty. Um, if he could just average 40, 40 plus, then I, you know, I'd take that. Same, same with Rudolph, who I also had on my, um, uh, on the bench up front. So I took both of those guys and after two rounds, I was pretty happy. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I've, I've got a Katoa in my side, uh, 51 average, uh, what, 180, a little bit below that thousand and a 58 minute per game. I mean, you, you did rattle off a couple of names there of players that could, um, you know, decrease those minutes a little bit over the, the coming weeks when we do restart on, on May 28. But, but I think out of the two of them, he seems like probably the most, um, likely option to, to really kick on. He looked really dangerous on that edge. Um, you know, you've got Tavanga as more a, a, a middle, middle player rather than edge. So I think he'll probably could impact, uh, Tunua Brown just a, a little bit more. But, um, yeah, I really liked what I saw from Katoeri. Uh, he's big size, uh, very athletic guy, running, uh, ball player as well. JT, what about you? Yeah, I'm a Katoa owner as well. I really liked what I saw from him at, yeah, almost bottom dollar there. You can't really argue. But I guess the biggest question for me coming back with this five trade, uh, super trade round that we're getting, uh, JTB minus 28 break even. Anton, if you didn't own him, are you busting your gut to get him in? No, well, I don't actually have him in my Warriors returning 17. I don't, I, I actually don't have him in my squad. So I, I, if I'm looking at the players that have returned, um, Isaiah Papali'i is, is now a middle. He's, he, he looks like he's, um, he, he's wearing a sweatshirt underneath, underneath his, his, uh, football jersey a lot of the time. In the nines, I wasn't even sure who it was. I was like, who's that guy? <laughs> you know, so he is, he's really stocked up for that middle role. Um, and it looks like he's probably going to rotate, um, through that lock position next to Jazz. So, uh, the only other guy who was going to threaten, um, on that edge spot in the preseason, um, I was kind of looking looking out for Curran, you know, to make a bit of a play for that that edge edge spot. But then he got injured as well. So, um, yeah, for JTB, I, I I don't know. I kind of think that say say he doesn't get that spot and he drops out of the squad altogether. For me, that's not a bad thing because I don't actually have a non playing reserve in my team. So I think the moment he makes a bench, he's gonna he's gonna make cash for you. But in the meantime, I'm quite happy for him to just be. Um, sitting on a two-game 40-plus average, um, waiting for that first price rise. And I, I think I will just save the trade when it comes to him, and um, I'll, 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 I'll be quite happy for, for that to happen. Because, um, you know, I don't know who you trade him to, in all honesty. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a fair call, 171K, bottom dollar. Unless um, there's another cheapie on the horizon in that front row spot that you don't already have. Um, yeah, as you said, is it really worth burning the trade? So it's definitely caught the eye, I guess, with that break even. So, uh, interesting that 
you know, I reckon he'll make uh, the team when they come back. That's the beauty of this massive spell we've got. So all of a sudden, guys like, you know, Jazz Hands and all that who were um, injured and now basically uh, right to go. So any planning you had initially to start the season's basically been wiped. So what do we do? Well, the the, the Fox Sports um, website at the moment has Lisa Namau and also Lachlan Burr starting in the front row uh, is their predicted side and then JTB at number 17. So... Um, and what you've got, you've got a utility on the bench. They've also got Nathaniel Roach, who knows if he's going to make it, and also Tavanga as well. So a bit of minutes, but um, I think what JT was getting to, you kind of really want to be focusing on those guys that are going to be earning you a lot of cash. So if you don't own him at the moment, you might be um, better to go with uh, you know someone else. If you don't, particularly if you don't own a Katoa, he's he's definitely the one you want to be jumping at. But I mean, it's a bit crazy, isn't it, about Anton? That the only two players we've got in here of our good. Um, uh, two rookies, and we're not even in any other year. You'd be including RTS and Tolo Harris, who we're going to start talk about on the bad. Uh, what's going on with those two guys? They've really well, underperformed yeah. so far. Yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty tough one because, like in the preseason, they were talking about. Um, you know, let's be honest. I mean, the the whole team was under a lot of pressure. There's a there's a new owner of the club. This guy called Mark Richardson, who's the owner of a company called Ortex Industries, which has been um, funding a lot of New Zealand rugby league for a long time. And he's a massive big fan, and he he wants results and he wants a premiership. So so as part of that, I think I think Steve Kearney and the the raft of players that are off contract at the end of the season are basically on notice. So with that came a um, a response that. You know they were going to throw the ball around a bit more, you know, and that was that was the whole kind of thought of putting Fusitura in the centres. And um, you've got these kind of more nimble second rowers um, that were going to pass the ball a bit more. Ignatius Pass, he's got a good offload on him. He was great in the nines a couple of years ago. Um, so as a fan, you're going like, yeah, hook it to my veins. I can't wait for that. You know, razzle dazzle it, route smart. That's what I'm all about, baby. But it didn't <laughs> it didn't, didn't happen, you know. And um, instead, they they kind of play this plotty style. We're getting nothing from our creative players, Wade, Wade Egan, um, and also uh, the kind of halves experiment. Um, there's not much coming out of Blake Green. None of them have a kick on them, like a long kick, which means we often have to battle really hard out of our own half to get any kind of field position. And when, what that means is you're getting your, your, your wider players and your creative players are just um, not in positions to score as many points. Um, we've only scored one try, and it was a penalty try, and that's over two games. So no one has scored a legitimate try that, so far. That is incredible. That is incredible. Sometimes you've got to overlook a, a little bit of that, and obviously, just, uh, just tell the source in the background. Just when she's shutting the door next time, maybe just do it a little bit, a little bit quieter. Yeah, professional podcast here. I don't know what she's thinking. Quieter, please, Obrigada. <laughs> it's uh, Obrigado if you're a bloke, mate. But uh, thank you. Yeah, whatever. Uh, but yeah, as a, it's I mean, not your time. As a Warriors Go. fan, if you're watching those games, obviously you're down and it, it's not what you want to see. But you think back to that Knights game, it was played in an absolute slosh heap. Uh, the Titans game, they were umming and ahhing about whether they'd even keep the competition going. They were uh, stuck in the middle of nowhere uh, in the lead up to the game. It was complete disarray. So um, if you're to look a bit more positively on it can you write those games off do you reckon Anton and are we going to see a resurgence of the Warriors when they come back it was a tough start but they've been given basically a, a right to get going again yeah, it's a very tough start with with all the, all the injuries and stuff that happened and uh, the new positions uh, you know we had a we've got a new young half um, who's you know trying to find his place in the team Harris Tavita um, and 
I think uh, having a break is a good opportunity to kind of kind of reset what you know what was going wrong. Roger Tuivasa-Shek's ankle was injured as well in the in the Tigers trial. So for me, he looked like he was um, wasn't running quite as strongly as we've seen him uh, last year, for example. So I think you know the club just needed him out there, and he was doing what he could. But um, he did like, he definitely didn't seem to have that explosive pace that uh, we know him for. Um, now with the extended break, all of those players have had a chance to um, make themselves fit again and also to kind of figure out what's working for them and what's not. So, you know, this is it's up to Kearney now to kind of like figure out how he's going to do this with the players at his disposal. And it's, you know, it remains to be seen. But with regards to, you know, who, who you choose, Harris, I think you can give a massive pass mark to. And a team that's like, um, you know, not threatened the line hardly at all and had hardly any attacking plays. You know, he still averaged kind of, I think it was mid-50s. Um, I'm just a check. Yes, it's something like that. So, um, you know, I think if if we start to kick on and we, and we start to, uh, you know, create those attacking plays, he's going to be involved in a lot of that as we've seen in previous seasons. And this is the first season that he's actually been completely fit since he's been at the Warriors. So, you know, that was widely publicized uh, in the beginning and in the preseason. Um, so I was in the, in the preseason, uh, very hot on Harris and I only got cold feet because I got cold feet about our, our prospects across the board. So, um, so yeah, um, I, I kind of, I, I think if you have him, if you have him in your team, I don't think he's a, he's a sell straight away at that price. Um, especially with Fafita going down, a lot of second rowers have underperformed in the opening rounds. You know, Murray has, Murray's going to leak a whole bunch of cash. Like we, there's probably a wait and see for John Bateman. Um, there's a lot of a lot of players where, except for Tomololo, there's probably a lot of players that you're kind of wanting to see a bit more from before you jump on. Especially at that uh, Yeah, I just oh, I don't know with Harris, and I know that JT, you're quite keen on him in the precinct as well. But a guy that's averaging 52, you've got him. Oh, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, 52 points per game, um, playing 80 minutes per game as well. I mean, I just think with the amount of trades we've got now, and some of us are going to have two trades per week until the end of the season. I don't think he'd be hanging on to these guys. I think he, he basically, for me, becomes a little bit irrelevant. I don't think the upside is there. I think what he's – the best case for him, he goes on to average 60 points per game for the year. And, and we want uh, guys – like I, I would personally like to take a bit of a punt and say a Lachlan Fitz or something like that over um, over Harris because of that pure upside and what we do need for that pot ability. Um, so he's probably a player that I'm going to be – looking to bypass and yeah RTS just looks like a guy that's been carrying the side for um particularly last year but for a couple of years now and and, and overall what do you think the, the the impact has been of of Sean Johnson moving on to the attacking stats of the Warriors and in, in particular their super coach um output as well because if you look at last year only really had probably a um RTS was fantastic for parts of the season. Then he came home with a Tavango going pretty big, just purely from base stats with minutes. Um, does the absence of Johnson is it really starting to now have an impact in some of these players, particularly if you look at Mamalo and also for, for Satua, who we're going to speak to in our ugly section? Is it all starting to come to um, fruition now? Yeah, look, um, it's, it was it was hard the Johnson affair. Like it was, um, I actually ran into him in the in the in the city last year and had a good chat to him about it. And he's he's still really kind of annoyed about how the whole thing played out. But in, like in terms of um, super coach, I think it's had a massive effect. You know, he's he's one of those halves. Every team has to have a guy who's like uh, who's who's able to create things. You know, um, 
Nicarima late last year had a really good, really good crack. You know, they gave him quite a long spell to try and make that sort of position his. It's the same when he was at the Broncos. You know, they they really wanted him to step into that role and make it his own. And um, he just uh, he doesn't seem to realise that he's he's actually a really good, you know, like a utility player, and and that's probably his best position. Which leaves us in a tricky spot because Blake Green is also, you know, he's at the end of his career now. He's 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 not going to break the line. You know, he's not one of those guys who are, are going to take you on and you're going to fall for it too many times. Yeah. Um, and then there's the distribution, the cutout passes and things like that. RTS is doing that. The halves don't seem to do that a lot. So yeah, we're we're missing SJ for sure. And I think until we can um, sort our recruitment out and figure out a way to sign some of these players that. That just seem to keep turning us down all the time. Um, you know, I think I think we're going to be having to get really creative in, in our forwards. That's that's basically what we're going to have to um, find a way to do. So, you know, that creates other super coach opportunities. Um, you know, but just then they're, they're not the traditional ones where your wingers are, de- like are generally going to be flopping over over for two three tries, or you know, they're going to be getting under high balls and coming down with bombs and that type of thing or chasing through on grubbers it's it might be more you kind of offload close to the line or uh line break assist close to the line and then someone puts you over in the corner but um yeah long-winded answer but yeah we miss johnson long-winded answer for a long-winded question so i'm, I'm fine <laughs> with that uh, let's jump into the ugly now um mamalo and fusatua uh both of those have massively underperformed this year fusatua has moved into the centers Mamalo was fantastic last year, really had a breakout Supercoach season, just smacking out base. I I don't have it in front of me, but I think he was averaging somewhere between mid-30s for base stats last year, which for a winger was fantastic. And for Satua, we thought that a guy that, um, I think he had base last year of around about 23 to 25, and he's only producing 20 base points per game. So we all thought that that move to the centres was going to see a little bit of increase in output, and it's actually done the opposite there. So... They're the two guys in our in our ugly list. Um, Anton, just interested in your take. What's going on with that? And this, is this just a product of uh, a uh, Warriors side that's struggling with attack at the moment, and just these guys can't get enough of the ball? We're trying to. I think I think it's an effort to find something to find someone who's got an element of of attack that's going to trouble the defense without relying on the halves. This is going back to that point of like if you can't rely on your half to manufacture something, maybe maybe if you bring some of these more skillful players further in, into into the play and get them involved a bit more often, um, then you might be more likely to break that line. Pussy Tua is actually like a, a very skillful player. Some of the put-downs that we'd seen in previous seasons and some of the aerial abilities, his short passing, um, he's actually a, um, a super gifted athlete. But um, I think the off-season, I was surprised to see that he'd really bulked up. Um, I think he was kind of coming in field and taking a lot of runs in the trials. Um, I didn't see a lot of the... Um, uh, a lot of the skills work so much, but he was he was kind of getting involved and taking more hit ups and things. And I just I I think he's kind of lost what what he was really good at, which was his which was his finishing ability. Um, and to have that on the on the wing, especially with the no tackle in the air kind of role this season, I thought that that was a really smart play to leave him out there. But um, uh, I'm not Steve Kenny, um, and uh, so I think you know the upside. I I have him in my team currently. Um, for a, a short period of time, I was willing to give him the extra week to see if that first week was an anomaly. But um, I just don't like him in that role. I, I think I think Herbert's a better centre. Um, they could be warming the position, maybe for Beal, although I don't know why. Um, but that's kind of you know, I mean, when you're getting into that situation where you're discussing the merits of Jared Beal, you know, you 
you know, you know your backline's uh, in need of a bit of a boost. So um, <laughs> they tried it. I think the experiment's not worked um, from a, from an NRL or a super coach point of view. And I think with five trades on the menu, uh, if you've got him in your team, I think he's he's got to be your first and second priority to get rid of at that price. Because I mean. JT, you're a gambler. You're a guy that likes to take risks here and there. If you can't catch you on the Supercoach podcast, we can catch you at the Treasury Casino. You're that kind of guy. Um, Fusatua or Mamalo, those are two pods potentially that you could look to have some pretty big upside games throughout the season. Um, which one of those would you like to um, to be betting on? Oh, probably not. I mean, Fusatua's had a couple of down seasons from Supercoach anyway, and the move to the centre's picked a little bit of interest. Hasn't paid off so far. The price is right. But a guy like Ken Mamalo, he's currently 557k, uh, break even 114. He's going south. Uh, he's a guy I've definitely got the eye on, though, because you think he's had the same halves pairing or thereabouts all of last season. Did a hell of a lot of work. It was a breakout year for him. Uh, fell over the line now and again. That's what you want as a... Uh, a center wing, not at that price. Um, but if I was a gambler, I'd be looking at this guy uh, a few rounds in, just when everything's the dust is settled. Warriors. If you if you were a gambler, if Wait, I, you were punting at Kalgoorlie last weekend, what are you talking about? Winning, winning. It actually probably wasn't. But uh, it's not gambling when you're winning, is it, JT? <laughs> it's investing. Yeah, thank you. The pay, yeah, the dividend is coming. Uh, but yeah, how the, how the baked beans this week? <laughs> it's uh, meagering. Thank you, spicy. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but Mamalo is too high price now, but I think he's a guy. He got to that price for a reason last season, so he's one I've definitely got the eye on. I'm going to pass on Fussy. I think there's better value there. But, um, yeah, I was going to say, Anton, if Mamalo is at such a high price now, uh, if you were to bring him in, what price would you be looking at for him? So basically 560 is assuming he's at basically the top of his game. Uh, how far do you think he can fall? I think he can fall pretty far. Like if 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 we continue to you know play the way that we are, and also you know the the mental toll of being on the road, and and uh, you know if if that sort of proves to be too much for the Warriors, you know we could get very very big scores put on us week to week. So I'm I'm a bit worried about um, how that's going to go, but um, I'd love to be proven wrong. I, I kind of think he could be a very handy kind of fifth centre wing. So if it gets down to that kind of like three three fifty low three hundreds mark, he could be uh, an astute sort of a trade down from someone who's maybe gone on a bit of a run, and you can pocket a hundred grand and maybe trade down to him just to keep him for matchups on your on your um, reserve bench. Um, you know, because he's he's always a chance of a double at at any sort in any given game. So um, yeah, he's just one of those kind of guys that um he he has the pedigree and he and he likes the work rate so. Yeah, I don't, I don't have him in my top four centre wings, so I would sort of price him accordingly. I would probably, I'd probably get on in the low 300s. Yeah. Well, so, if, so he actually finished the year last year priced at 423,500. Um, started the year at 370, so there was a huge peak in the middle where he was around about 580 after. He had a 74, 104, 52 and a 91, that, that crazy stretch. Um, and uh, then went on to have some more big scores after that with a 95 against the Eels and a 96 against the Seagulls as well before a really poor uh, end to the season. Um, uh, so I think you're bang on there, and I think what he started the year, 570 now, but he finished the year at 420, so massive overs, I think, for you what you're paying. I would seriously be looking at him if he falls anything under 450, I think, um, 
Uh, he's a great fifth center wing as what you've what you've put in a guy that you don't necessarily have to play every week. And price of that three fifty to four fifty, I think he's worth a uh, worth a crack potentially. Yeah, agree. Uh, so that that was everything we were going to uh, mention. JT and I for the the good, the bad, and the ugly outside of uh, COVID nineteen. I guess and the impact that that's had on the Warriors. Um, we'll talk. We can talk to that now, or we can maybe. Is there anyone else that we've missed that you want to quickly to, to run through as well? Uh, yeah, not really. I I don't know. I, I don't think there's a lot of other super coach relevant players um, who are coming through uh, apart from apart from maybe um, watching out for Tavanga and to see see what happens there because he is coming back from surgery and they might ease his workload. So I could easily see him playing about 45 minutes a game to start with and um, if he starts at that lock position or bringing him on off the bench. If he's coming off the bench, you know, you can expect those minutes to drop and the price to drop and he's quite a, a handy sort of dual position as well. So he could be your your way up to a keeper at hooker if you, um, if you were to swap out like a – almost like a um, – uh, reserve hooker. Maybe you have like a Braley or someone in that position. You could swap a, a cut priced, um, player for, um, at that point and use him to trade up to a keeper. So that's who I've got my eye on, but I, I think, I think, you know, that's probably looking a bit further down the track. Yeah. Okay. Don't disagree there. Okay. Let's jump into COVID-19. Then I mean that, um, we've all been here, um, working from home, isolating, um, the Australians, uh, particularly in the NRL, are kind of complaining a little bit of having to maybe operate in a in a hub or or whatever it was going to look like at, at a different point in time. But the the, the poor warriors of um, they're another country away, and, and they've been the ones that have been impacted the most by all of this, particularly by the travel um, restrictions. And uh, wouldn't just mind your impact on uh, your thoughts on that impact and how that's going to potentially impact them going forward this year as well. Yeah, it's funny seeing the discussion around it online, like especially over Twitter, there's a lot of people who are kind of like, uh, oh, yeah, it's really cool that the Warriors are doing this, but if they don't do it, they don't get paid. And you kind of go, yeah, but it's still hard. You can still, you know, that is the reality, but it is the other teams don't have to do this. There are some players who are, who are going to be doing the 14-day um, isolation three times. Like, so Jazz Tavanga, he he flew to Australia uh, with the... the, the, the um, the intention of playing in round three and Ignatius Parsi as well. They got to Australia. Um, they locked themselves down with the intention of staying in Australia for when the competition reopened and that didn't happen. So they flew back to New Zealand. Um, they had to self-isolate again for like 14 days. And then now they're flying back to Australia again. So they're doing it again. Like mentally, that's a, it's a hard thing to do when you, you've got, you know, uh, family to think about, not knowing whether you're coming or going. As I mentioned to you off air as well, I was just, listening to a couple of videos by Cameron George and Steve Kearney, and they said that the scenes at the Auckland airport when the players left were um, were pretty emotional, players crying, you know, you, you had all the kids not wanting to let go of their parents and because they don't know when they're going to see each other again. They don't know whether um, they're going to be allowed back into the country. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pretty emotional time for everybody. Um, but they changed the Tamworth airport to an international airport, um, which is – you know, that the whole thought of doing that for the sake of playing rugby league is just like is insane when you think about that, you know. Um they had a police escort when they arrived in um on the tarmac. Uh they've got a completely locked down facility. They've already started training in circuits. So they'll have small groups that will go out and do field work and then they'll move on and go somewhere else and the next the next slot will come in. So 
it's pretty regimented and the, the, the certainty of kind of going like, okay, we're here to do a job is cool. The fact that like they don't know, um, whether they're coming or going with their families is, is pretty hard, but then other players are in that position as well. Um, so they could respond one of two ways. It could be that they completely fall, fall apart and they just don't have the, um, the mental strength to keep it together when they're really under the pump just because, um, you know, just mentally their heads aren't in it. Or it could be that the, the fact that they're forced to lock down and, uh, there's no distractions and all they're doing is eating and sleeping, uh, football all day long with, with, um, all their teammates focus on a task at hand, sort of going like, if, if we muck up this opportunity, then it's all for nothing. Like we might as well make it count. We might as well really give it a good shake. There's a chance that they come out with that attitude as well. And then they, you know, they, they really, um, surprise a few people in that first game back. So it's interesting to see how, how all the teams will come back from this. Like, uh, I think the ones that have used their time in isolation, um, in a positive way and, and kind of, uh, worked on the areas that they needed to address and also thought about how they're going to um, approach the game um, mentally, uh, knowing that it's going to be viewed in a different way, the energy is going to be different, other teams will be approaching it differently. Um, it could create opportunities for teams that maybe weren't in such a strong position beforehand. Maybe maybe that um, momentum will shift. Maybe the Roosters or, or sides like that will suddenly hit their stride and go, Show, show their professionalism through what they've been doing off the field rather than uh, the first two weeks on it. So, so what's, the, what's the deal now? Anyway, so I'm, just, I'm assuming that the Warriors are going to be basically playing all their home games here. Is that, is that what's going to happen? For the, yeah. for the foreseeable future until, until they create like a bubble, which is something that's in conversation where they and only, only they are able to travel between the two countries. So... It's a pipe dream at the moment, but it's something that they're hoping that they'll be able to do is play games at Mount Smart. But um, I think, you know, a lot of the teams are going to be playing away from their, certainly from their home bases where they usually train. Um, but, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. Yeah, I mean, that, and that does have an impact on those players that potentially as well um, have historically performed a lot better in New Zealand versus away in some players for whatever reason have done that. I just had a quick look at um, Kemma Malo's stats from last year and he actually, um, I was surprised, he, I think he averaged um, 61 points per game at home and then 58 or 59 points away. So he's a pretty consistent player no matter what, but there might be some other guys in the Warriors side that you want to have a bit of a look at to see who really does stink it up away from home and who, who finds another gear at Mount Smart Stadium because they're not going to be playing too many games there this year and that home field advantage is really going to kind of disappear. Um, and it has historically been, if you're looking like maybe a, a Sean Johnson who's not, not only there, obviously, but a player like him, uh, from memory really performed a lot better when he was at home. Um, JT, any thoughts on this before we look to, to wrap it up? No, I mean, I think I said it from the start. They're now over on second favorite team and that's for good reason. Uh, I think as a fan, you've got a lot to be proud of. Basically saved rugby league, uh, which is no small feat. It's a big sacrifice that they're making. Uh, you saw the outpouring of things like the, I think it was a $10 membership or something like that for people based in Australia and people jumping on that. Um, but even just had a thought as we were talking there, what about teams, given the Warriors are sacrificing so many home games this season, what about teams taking games over to New Zealand uh, like the Bulldogs do, like I think Manly do, and if you are just making that more of a regular thing next season as a way to give back to both the Warriors and New Zealand rugby league as a whole. So I'd love to see that sort of stuff. Uh, but I think they've shown the tight-knit nature of the rugby league community. So uh, I'll be cheering the Warriors on every game. They're not playing the Cowboys. But, uh, yeah, 
all the I really hope they do well. We'd love a documentary crew to be following this as well. Just think of some I'm of the sure trades you're getting. Mate. It would be a fantastic watch. You're such a tearjerker, JT. It's all it's always so emotional with you, isn't it? Mate, just rugby league fan that wants his uh, game back and can't thank the Warriors enough. They've saved rugby league, the Warriors. Let's go on, Warriors, mate. <laughs> All right, well, I think um, that's everything uh, for the podcast. We've spent 50 minutes purely on the Warriors tonight, Anton. I think you've got um, everything that you wanted and maybe some more with some bad pronunciations by us and um, all the other Warriors fans out there. I mean, you're definitely the smartest, best-looking Kiwi that's ever been on this podcast <laughs> um, before. <laughs> Shout out to Nick. Um, so, um, what we've got a bit of a tradition on the the uh, SC report as well is that the guest does send us out with a bit of a tune. JT and I have uh, have selected for you tonight a slice of heaven by Dave Dobbins. So, can you close the podcast, please, for us by just singing a little bit of slice of heaven, mate? I'm going to give him my best shot. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was fantastic. And uh, thanks for not joining in, JT. I did. Uh... Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah, baritone there. It was a really manly voice. <laughs> thanks for being a fantastic sport, Anton. It's been great to have you on, and, and hopefully we can get you on again soon, not just to talk about the Warriors, but also just to cover um, the NRL in general or, or Supercoach when we do get kicking off again throughout the year. I know that JT is always looking for someone um, that he can have a chat to that's not me. So um, get you back on, mate. Thank you very much for that. Really, really appreciate it. Absolute pleasure, boys. Lovely talking to you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.